Good morning. I want to uh, express uh, just gratitude uh, toward uh, the elders for the way they've led our church through this transition. Uh, they've submitted to his leading, and they've done so with uh, humility and full confidence that God is going to lead this church. And you heard Steve uh, share that it was unanimous among the elders to make the recommendation to call Pastor Stephen. And I want to express uh, on behalf of the pastors that we also are united around that decision, and we feel confident in Pastor Stephen uh, being able to lead this church. He has the gifts and the skills to do that, and it's incredible to see how God has put this team together. And so uh, I just wanted to share that with you as a church. You hear from the pastors as well that we are in full support of uh, direction that the elders are leading us uh, as they follow Christ. So um, continue to pray for this transition uh, and participate through this process to discern God's will, to see how he's going to lead us. And of course, with the, uh, the January 16th meeting, we do encourage members to be here to vote. But most importantly, first and foremost, we do want to be in prayer for this. So would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for how you are leading this church. We submit completely to you. We give our heart, soul, and mind to you in all things, knowing that we belong to you. This church belongs to you. We pray that you lead us according to your will and that we have uh, the hearts to submit and follow you. As we look into Your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us through it. We know that it is living and active, that it gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. I pray that we would uh, be free of distractions, that we would not look elsewhere uh, for how to live, but we would look into this word that you have given us. We thank you for your grace, that you would use a sinner like me to be able to deliver your truth And we pray that it is your truth that would be heard here, that we would have hearts open to receiving what it is you have for us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The Christmas season is one of anticipation. And one of the the features of the season that many of us look forward to are Christmas movies. We all have our favorites. The ones that we we have to watch. And we can't watch this one until we watch that one. And there's some that we only watch on Christmas. What I love most about Christmas movies is many of them have redemptive themes. Or at least a scene that a pastor can use for a sermon illustration. (laughs) I'm sure many of you are familiar with Christmas Vacation. One of the most memorable Parts of this film is the Christmas lights fiasco. Clark Griswold gathers his whole family out on the lawn in their pajamas in the dark to prepare them to view the 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights that he spent all day stapling to his house. And he calls for a drum roll to enhance the moment of anticipation. And he flips the switch and nothing happens. And we see the response of the different characters in that scene. The skeptical in-laws go back inside where it's warm. They couldn't care less about the lights. His dad offers words of encouragement, but he's not going to make an effort to pursue getting the lights turned on. His son, Rusty, does the same thing. Everyone goes to bed, forgetting about the lights that were promised. The next night, after a series of mishaps, the lights finally work. The long-awaited, promised, Griswold family Christmas lights are lit. But in waiting for the lights, some doubted. Some gave up hope. Some trusted in other means for light. The neighbors hated the light. But without the light, they were stumbling in the dark. Some tried to turn the lights on on their own strength, And Clark's wife, Ellen, believed because she had seen the lights on. She believed that they could work. And there's spiritual application there. We see similar responses to the light that was promised by God in Scripture. Emmanuel. In Isaiah 9, God gives the promise of light 
to those who are walking in darkness. And Isaiah is a fascinating book, one of the uh, most quoted books in the Old Testament, especially at Advent. Uh, We just saw the scripture on the screen from Isaiah. It was read for us this morning. The core message of the book of Isaiah is that if God's people don't stand firm, trusting in God, they will be lost. And God shows them, he shows his people through Isaiah, how when they turn their back on him, which they will, how he will punish them as their judge. But he also shows them how he will rescue them as the God of forgiveness. Today we're going to focus on Isaiah 9, verse 2, as it relates to the coming Messiah and God's promise to deliver his people. Isaiah 9, 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of dark, deep darkness, on them has light shone. Throughout this book of Isaiah, God warns his people of the judgment that will come against their sin. But also, Isaiah relays the promises of God to rescue his people from their sin. The people would hear the word of the Lord, but not understand. They would see, but not perceive. But though God's people live in darkness, they will be shown a great light. When we encounter darkness, physical darkness, we can become disoriented. We search around for something that feels familiar to help guide us in the darkness. And that was kind of like the king of Judah, Ahaz. Isaiah's writing in the time of the divided kingdom. There was the northern kingdom, known as Israel, and the southern kingdom, known as Judah. And Isaiah is an advisor to the king of Ahaz, the king Ahaz, and Ahaz was, was an evil king. He did abominable things. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. He committed idolatry. He was guilty of sacrificing his own son to a pagan God. And his lack of trust in God led to Judah becoming subject to Assyria. And now Israel, the northern kingdom, had made an alliance with Syria. And together they attempted to overthrow Jerusalem. They were unsuccessful. But when Ahaz heard that Israel and Syria had joined forces, he reacted with fear. And it was a dark time and it seemed like the Davidic dynasty was going to be snuffed out. Now God told Ahaz through Isaiah that he didn't need to be afraid, that he didn't need to fear. Isaiah told Ahaz to trust God, to take courage in the Lord. And where Ahaz saw a threat, the Lord said, you have nothing to be afraid of. This thing with Israel and Syria will not come to pass. Isaiah said, test the Lord, ask him for a sign. Nahaz said, I'm not going to ask the Lord for a sign. Isaiah said, he will give you a sign that you can trust God to deliver you. It is the sign of Emmanuel. A virgin would give birth to a son and his name would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. God would be present with his people. He would protect and deliver them. They can put their trust in him. But Ahaz did not trust God. Instead, he chose to surrender to Assyria. Assyria was the common enemy of Israel and Syria. And so Ahaz was seeking protection from Assyria. Because he was afraid of Israel and Syria. But it was Assyria that would bring destruction and devastation to Jerusalem. It's Assyria that would take Israel into captivity. 
So here's Ahaz in the darkness, stumbling, looking for anything that he can grab onto, that can guide him. Looking for light wherever he thought he could see it, rather than looking to God. Ahaz took gold and silver from the house of the Lord and sent it to Assyria as a present. He was willing to submit and surrender to the king of Assyria, saying in 2 Kings 16, I am your servant and your son. Come up and save me. Ahaz subjected himself to the king of Assyria rather than the king of kings. He sought salvation from a worldly leader rather than God himself. And it led to a perversion of worship at the temple, idolatry, and a number of other sinful things. And as the king went, so went the kingdom. And it would be a dark time for God's people. Eventually, Assyria would invade. Israel would be taken into captivity. And eventually, the temple and Jerusalem would be destroyed. God would later allow Babylon to overthrow Judah and take them into captivity. And when you live, not on the basis of God's promises, but by your own strength, or by trusting in your known resources, and you see an easy way out, even when it's not right, you eventually think that that's all there will ever be. That's your only choice. That's as good as it gets. And you say, there's, there's so much trouble in my life. There's so much to worry about. I'm fearful of all the things that are going on around me. I just need this one thing. So you try to find something positive, something that seems like it's going to shed light on the darkness. It's a person. It's a device. It's a drug. It's an unbiblical idea. It's our own selfish desire to find comfort in the midst of that trial. And when it seems dark, it's easy to think that the darkness is too hard to overcome. That's all there is. And any glimpse of something that seems like light, we want to reach out for, we want to grab onto, to find relief, satisfaction, peace from the sources that the world offers and not in God's promises. But we forget, and we need to say this here, that our enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. There's something out there that looks like light in our world. That looks like safety and security. And it seems like that's all we can hope in. But it really just leads to more darkness, broken marriages, addictions, sickness, financial ruin. And you say, if I had only known, I would have never, but it just seemed like the right thing to do. It seemed like my only option. And you end up in spiritual darkness. God's people wandered away from God from his teaching, and they started to forget the things that he called them to follow. They forgot what he called them to remember. And the further that we get from God's word, the deeper into darkness we're going to fall. And after God's people began to forget him, and his promises, and disregard his law, they lost sight of his provision for them. 
They failed to remember his promises, so they took their cue from other nations. They didn't hope in God. They took their hope in the world, imitating godless nations, and they turned away from God. And God would bring judgment on them. And they would stumble in darkness, in gloom, in anguish. But this darkness will not last. There is a promise of light here in Isaiah 9-2. God promises that the darkness will not last. That light will come. The true light of God. The light is promised to her who was in anguish. Those who had turned their backs on God and followed after evil things. Those who were in darkness, God promises light to them. Isaiah 8, 21 and 22 says, They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness and the gloom of anguish. And they will be thrust into thick darkness. But, next verse, Isaiah 9, 1. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. But in the latter time, he made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Even though judgment is coming, Isaiah is prophesying about a future deliverance for God's people. Restoration. Because this is the story of God's eternal purposes to redeem his people out of the darkness. Now, Zebulun and Naphtali are the northernmost tribes of Israel. We see them mentioned here in Isaiah 9.1. And they're located between uh, the uh, Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea. So you have Naphtali, which is kind of more northwest, and then it's not up there. And then Zebulun is uh, a little closer to the Sea of Galilee, just south of Naphtali. These tribes in this region would be the first to experience the Assyrian invasion. When the enemy's army marched, this is where boots hit the ground. So it was a very depressed, very disadvantaged region. Whenever there was an enemy attack, it usually came from the north. And so it always started here in this area. No buffer, no escape, no protection, no hope. Darkness would descend quickly on the people living there. People dwelling in darkness. The light is promised to shine on those who were in anguish, who were dwelling in darkness, who were greatly disadvantaged, those who were distressed, those for whom all hope was lost, the light is promised to shine on them. The verse continues, in the latter time he has made, way, made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. He will shine his light there. And this light will come in the form of a person. We see that in verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We see this promise fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. Who is the light? And to help us see that more clearly, there are two passages that I want us to quickly look at in the New Testament. First, we turn to Luke chapter 1, 
That will be up on the screen for you as well. Luke chapter 1. We see here the foretelling of the arrival of Christ. And starting in verse 76, we have the blessing of Zechariah on John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner for the Messiah. His ministry is to prepare the people for the coming of Christ, who is going to bring salvation. And you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. We notice here that it is because of God's mercy that all those who dwell in darkness will see a light. All those who rebelled and turned their backs on God, all those who are without hope will experience his light. The light will shine on those who do not deserve it. It will shine on those who are not seeking it. The light will shine on those who don't know anything but darkness. And it's because of God's mercy that his light will shine on them. The salvation of God is due to his mercy. God is a righteous judge. But he will offer mercy by shining his light, which was promised in Isaiah. And that is a promise that was forgotten by many. Even after the captivity, when they had returned to the land, there was 400 years of silence. There was no message from God, no revelation, no prophet for 400 years. It was darkness. Many had forgotten. Many had lost hope. But there was still this promise. No matter how troubling or how dark our days seem, no matter how long it seems like we're waiting, there's still the promise. We must not forget God's promises. We must continue to trust in him. And that's what we see in the next chapter of Luke with Simeon. After the birth of Jesus, he was brought to the temple by Mary and Joseph to be presented according to the law of Moses as the firstborn son. And it says in verse 25 of Luke 2, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon did not forget the promise. He was waiting for the promise with hopeful anticipation. Remember the promise of light. Jesus is that light. He fulfills the promise that the darkness will not last. So we're seeing these reminders of the promise made in Isaiah. We see that the promise would be fulfilled in and through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Emmanuel. Not only is the promise fulfilled in him, but we see it in a specific place that Isaiah had mentioned. He said there will be no more gloom. That great light would be shown in Galilee. We see that fulfilled here in scripture. Galilee of the nations. On them a light has shone. This was literally fulfilled in Christ. We see in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. Starting in verse 12. 
Now, when he had heard that John, this is Jesus, had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is Galilee. Again, it was a hopeless region. It was a spiritually depressed area. We know that enemies, when they invaded, they would come from the north, and the conquest would begin in that part of the nation. So they had that. There was also a larger Gentile population. There were Samaritans mixed in. And the people who lived in this area were were far removed from Jerusalem, and they had just about given up on truth. They gave up hoping for a light. They turned from God to idols. They practiced occult things, idolatry, pagan religions. Because of their sinful hearts, they turn from the light of scripture to darkness. God had to provide the light because they were not seeking it. This was a place that seemed hopeless. Next to Nazareth, the opinion of Galilee was pretty low among the Jews. In the book of John, some said this is the Christ. But others said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? It was an uncultured place. This is where Cousin Eddie was probably from. (laughs) In Acts 2, when the disciples at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descends upon them and they're speaking in tongues, it is assumed by the people observing that they are drunk And the assumption is, because they're Galileans, they must be drunk. (laughs) They're Galileans, so they're probably just just drunk. That was the opinion that people had of Galilee. It was the land of misfit toys. Yet, this is where Christ officially begins his ministry. This is where he calls his first disciples. This is where he does his first miracle where he heals and casts out demons. This is where he first proclaims the gospel. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is exactly the right place for this to happen. These sinful, disadvantaged, tired, hopeless people have seen the light. If he could dispel darkness in Galilee, he could do it anywhere. Christ enters where the conditions seem the darkest. God's light can shine in unlikely places. And again, this is the right place for this to happen. Galilee of the nations, you had a melting pot of people, a mixed population. And it was from here that the message of salvation for all people would continue to go out to the ends of the earth. The darkness had been penetrated by the coming of Jesus Christ when it looked like darkness would last forever. When it seemed like all hope was lost, God sent light into the darkness to rescue his people out of the darkness. And that is the truth that we celebrate at Christmas. God's light is going to shine in the darkness and the darkness will not overtake it. And so I want to offer some encouragement from scripture as we consider how we are to respond to this promise of light. First, we must remember that darkness will not last. 
When God makes a promise, no matter the circumstances, no matter how long it seems like we have to wait, God will not fail us. He will always deliver on his promise. He had promised that the light would come for those dwelling in the darkness. And he delivered on that promise by sending his son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, into the world to be that light. The darkness will not last. Whether it is sin or it is darkness that we experience as a result of sin, God's light is promised to penetrate that darkness and overtake it. God sent his light, Jesus Christ, as promised to overcome the darkness. The darkness will not last. And we can count on that. That is a promise. So we do not fear. In the midst of darkness, we must remember not to fear. Don't be like Ahaz, who was given God's promises. He was told that God would protect him. But he feared man rather than God. And he allowed that fear to dictate how he led a nation. He allowed the fear to dictate how he would respond to the darkness. And the darkness might look scary, but we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Trust that God will bring an end to the darkness and do not be afraid. If you're truly trusting in God in the midst of darkness, that means that you're putting your trust in his word, not in the things of this world. The things that seem familiar and safe and secure to us. The things that seem logical, but are in opposition to God's word. Ahaz surrendered to Assyria rather than to God. When he felt the the shadows of the enemies growing taller, he surrendered to an earthly kingdom, hoping that it would provide some light in the darkness. But instead, it ultimately brought devastation and darkness on God's people. God promises 1 Corinthians 10, God promises that temptation will not overtake us. God will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability, but with temptation, he will always provide a way of escape so that we may be able to endure it. If you're in a dark place in your life, you don't have to surrender to the darkness. God has provided a way out. God has provided a light for you. Don't believe that God is not giving you a way out that you don't have any other options. If you're trusting in anything but God, if you're searching for hope anywhere else but his word, you are not going to find light. When you're wandering in the darkness, it's easy to think about worst case scenarios, right? What can go wrong? And we start looking for the quickest, easiest solutions for our problems. Or we chase perfectionism instead of trusting God's plan. We have our own standard. Everything has to be in line with because we think we knew better than God. Or maybe we're, we're doers and it's just our nature to try to fix things rather than to be still and know that he is God. We try to seek after other sources for light. When things seem dark, we might be tempted to do that because we think that we know what we want or we know what it is that we need more than God. 
we think that we know what's going to make everything better, what's going to make the darkness go away. And we think that if, if we get what we want, then all of our problems will be solved. We give up trusting God and we pursue that thing. Kevin McAllister had a conflict with just about everyone in his family. His parents, his siblings, his cousins, his uncle. So he wished that they would just disappear. The next day, he got his wish. And everything seemed perfect at first. Eventually, after being scared by old man Marley and encountering some burglars, he begins to miss his family. And he realizes that getting his way wasn't the best thing for him. And so he tells fake Santa that he wishes for them back. All of the problems in this world and the things that can cause conflict for us, the interactions that cause us to be angry, the unknowns that we worry about, the fear of what's taking place in the world. It's all rooted in sin. And yes, there are ways that we can remedy many of the problems that we face in this world, but we can't trust in those solutions more than we trust in God. We can't even trust that the way we want things to be or the way that we would do things is even the right way to do it if it's not in line with God's word. We might think that if we have just enough power and our own strength, we can overcome the darkness. We need God's light. We must trust in him to shine his light in the darkness. He does that through his word. We cannot see in the dark without it. You need to trust that God has a plan to address these things his way. When there is darkness in our lives because of sin, we can only trust in God. We can't trust in man-made solutions to solve the problem of sin. Even on our own strength, we cannot do that. We have to trust in God. And he has given us a solution through his son, Emmanuel, the light of the world. And again, we saw that he began his ministry in Galilee, shining his light where we would least expect it. No one would have expected Galilee would be the place where God would shine his light. It was an unlikely place. It was like the Grinch, right? In his darkest moment, when he's stolen everything from Whoville, he has it on the sleigh. His heart has changed. No one could have ever believed that would happen. Well, you know, the girl, but you get it. You might be in a situation in your life where it seems like there is no end in sight where it's just going to stay dark. God is not shining his light there, you think. It feels like there's no hope. Maybe it's a relationship that's been severed. You don't talk anymore. And there's just this this wall of resentment and bitterness between you and that person. And you feel it most at the holidays, right? You think there's no way, there's no way this is ever going to change. God is powerful enough. God is powerful enough. His light is bright enough to shine in that darkness. He changes hearts. He can bring reconciliation to relationships. The one who shines the light is called the Prince of Peace. He can bring reconciliation. 
Maybe because of a sinful choice in somebody else's life, you're left with a mess. You have to carry a burden that just feels too heavy for you. Maybe it's financial hardships. Maybe you're a single parent. No matter what you do, nothing seems to get better. It just seems to get worse. All your efforts to make things better just feel pointless to you. Remember that the light of the world shall be called Everlasting Father. Trust him to carry that burden with you and to bring healing to that reality. Trust him to care for you and provide for you and comfort you. Lean on him and allow the light of his word to shine in the darkness. Expect God to shine his light where you would least expect it. Don't think that God can't show up in those moments. Because he can, and he has, and he will. God can shine his light in the darkest places. The darkest places where it seems like all hope is lost. Where you would never expect things to get better, things to be redeemed. God can shine his light there. There is nowhere in this universe that his light cannot overcome darkness. Trust him and expect him to shine his light. The reason that we can trust him and expect him to shine his light in unlikely places is because of his promises. Because the promises that he made were fulfilled. And we should consider his promises as being already fulfilled, even if we have not seen them fulfilled yet. Look back at Isaiah 9. Isaiah's prophecy here is written in the past tense. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The prophecy indicates that there will be a time of darkness, but that God's light will come. But it's not written as though it's a future thing. It's written as something that has already happened in the past. From God's perspective, the promise was already fulfilled. That's how certain he is in his promises. And that's how trustworthy he is and how certain we can be in his promises. We can count on his light in the darkness, even when it seems the darkest. We can look forward with hope and anticipation of the redemption that God has promised because he planned from eternity past to redeem his people even before there was a need to. It reminds me of the scene in Christmas Vacation where Clark and Eddie are shopping. Eddie tells Clark he doesn't know what to do for Christmas. You know, they can't afford gifts. They're destitute. They coasted into town on fumes. Clark tells Eddie, I don't know, I want to help you give the kids a nice Christmas. Eddie says, oh, no, I'm not one for charity. Clark says, it's not charity, it's family. What does Eddie do? He pulls out a list. Here's a little list, alphabetical order, starting with Catherine. Before Clark even offered, Eddie considered the gifts already purchased. He had the list. He anticipated the promise being fulfilled. He was so sure that Clark would take care of his family that he counted it as something that was already done. And that is how we must face trials and temptations. That is how we must face the darkness in this world with the same kind of confident response in God's promises. We must have that same kind of hope and anticipation considering God's promise as already fulfilled for us. He has already shown his light. That is why we can trust him today for our future. Even before the thing has happened, Consider it resolved. 
through Christ. While we're wondering where God is in the darkness, he's already shown up. In the midst of chaos, he's already made peace. Where there's brokenness, he's already brought restoration. Where there's sin and shame and guilt, he's already made a way for us to be forgiven. He's already fulfilled the promises in eternity. When you're feeling defeated, he's already conquered. The Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world, before sin had even entered it. The light has already shone on the darkness. In Christ, all things are made new. And if you've trusted in him for eternity, your salvation is already guaranteed. Are you worried about this moment in your life, something that's going on, your circumstances, a trial, a dark time in your life, and thinking that God has forgotten you? Or are you waiting with anticipation for him to bring all things to completion, knowing that he has a plan to rescue you because his light has already entered the darkness and extinguished it. God sent the light to fulfill the promise. And we consider God's promises as being already fulfilled. The fact that he fulfilled that promise to send his light is a guarantee for our future. Last one, Charlie Brown Christmas. This is the least polarizing. (laughs) And if you don't like a Charlie Brown Christmas, I'm going to be praying for you. (laughs) It's a classic, right? Charlie Brown, he just feels depressed during the Christmas season. So he goes to Lucy for psychiatrist help. He looks to the world for help. Right? Spending his resources to find some light. Lucy says, you need to get involved. You need to be part of a Christmas project. And she picks him to be the director of the Christmas play. Part of his job is to select a Christmas tree. So he picks the most humble, most pathetic tree. And everyone makes fun of him for it. He's failed miserably. He doesn't feel fulfilled. He doesn't find a solution. He just feels worse. But then Linus reminds everybody that Christmas is about the birth of a savior. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And the tree, which seemed hopeless, is redeemed. The peanuts dress it up and make it shine. There's that moment of redemption. The light of the world is proclaimed. And the darkness is overcome. We watch these Christmas movies every year. Movies that we've seen dozens of times. We know them front to back. We know how they're going to end. With our God, we know how the story ends. We know that the final redemption is coming for God's people. Because the promised light has already come. God has fulfilled that promise and we can trust him with the ending. That's what Advent is all about. The people of Israel were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for him to come that first time to fulfill the promise to shine a light in the darkness. And that promise being fulfilled through his first coming gives us hope for his second coming trusting that that promise will be fulfilled. It has been promised in scripture. We who have been redeemed now wait for him to come again. And when he returns, we will dwell with him in glory. We see that promise for eternity made to God's people in Revelation chapter 22. In verse five, it says, and night will be no more. There will be no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. The Lord Jesus says in verse seven, and behold, I am coming soon. That is why we can have hope 
for the future. That is why we can have hope in the midst of darkness. That is why we should look forward with great anticipation because he is coming again. No matter how dark the world seems, the promise of God's light can sustain you. You can find hope and joy when you trust that the Lord will be your light and faithfully believe in him that all darkness will be dispelled forever. No matter how dark the darkness of your life seems, God's light is greater and the promise of his light can sustain you and strengthen you and give you hope for the future. The darkness will not last because the promised light has come. Amen? Let's pray. God, you have shown your light in the darkness. When things seemed hopeless, when it seemed like there was no chance of redemption, you showed up in your timing. You sent your son, the eternal God, taking on flesh to be born as a helpless baby who would grow and rescue his people from their sin that we would no longer walk in darkness, but that we would walk in your glorious light. Your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Your son is the word made flesh. Give us hearts that are attracted to that light. Give us eyes of faith in the times of darkness to be able to see your light shining because we know that you have the power through your light to overcome the darkness. We do not need to be afraid. We do not need to be anxious. You have given us a hope because of your promises for the future that we have. Those whom you have called out of the darkness to walk in your light, we pray that you would strengthen our faith in the promises that you have made. That we would not worry about tomorrow, but that we would have a hope for eternity with our eyes fixed on Christ in his light. Because the darkness has been overcome. He has conquered. And now we can walk in a new life, in that light, to glorify you. And we pray that that is what we do as your people, that we glorify you, that we allow your light to shine through us because of the promises that you have made, that you have fulfilled, and because we trust you to do great things. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.